Well, good morning. Welcome to our uh, continuing study in stewardship. And <clears throat> this morning, we will uh, spend time covering the topic, Work Diligently. Now, on, uh, on Wednesday, Bob led us in a study of Proverbs 31. You see any connections between our study in Proverbs 31 and this topic of work diligently? Um, and I think, I think that's a fair <clears throat> conclusion because Proverbs 31, the last 32 verses, um, uh, is entitled, uh, you know, an excellent wife, a virtuous wife, a virtuous woman. Uh, and there's a picture there painted uh, of this, this individual. And if you were to just kind of maybe in a, in a word or two sum up this person and that description, what word would you use? Proverbs 31, 10 to 31. How do you, how do you sum up? She was very industrious. Okay, okay. <clears throat> industrious. Devoted. Devoted. Feared the Lord. She feared the Lord. <clears throat> and she feared the Lord and, and ordered her life accordingly. Yeah, okay, nice. Are all Bible texts intended to be understood in only one way? Is this perhaps one of those texts that we see, you know, without thinking hard at all, you know, can hit you overhead. Here's, here's a picture of a person. Maybe let us ask this question. <clears throat> to whose benefit was Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 written? Okay. And, yeah. To what end? Okay. Is that usually the way we approach that text? Yeah. <laughs> Is it inappropriate to approach it from a how does a woman view her life perspective? Is it appropriate to to approach it from a if you're looking for a wife, here's 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 some good things to look for? Is there another way to look at this text? It comes at the end of what? A, a long, lengthy writing on the topic of what? Wisdom. 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 Proverbs 10 through 31 are all these proverbs uh, helping us see wisdom. And maybe you can also see Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, as uh, a description they see that description as a summary of all that has been said about wisdom up to that point. So I think there are, there are multiple ways that probably God intended this text to be used. And one of the pictures that we see in this description, whether it's of uh, someone that you want to pursue as a wife, whether it's you as a woman to, to be one who fears the Lord and the way you order your life, or whether it's just being wise and living, that we see that there is an industriousness, there is a diligent, there is an orderliness about uh, 
about this picture that I think will we'll tie in then with what we're going to study today. And specifically today, uh, I want you to be able to list some proverbs that teach that get-rich schemes are unwise. Secondly, that we can apply the text in Ecclesiastes 11.16 and Proverbs chapter 27, verses 23 through 27 to our lives today. And finally, to explain how diligence involves both hard work and wisdom. Okay. And with that, Andrew, would you lead us in prayer? Father in heaven, we come before you this morning. We thank you for the beautiful day you've given us to allow us uh, safe travel to here, to study from your word, to learn how we should be as workers in this world and for you. Help us to make application as best as possible. Uh, be with those that are sick, that were unable to be here today. Help them to get better. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> so we find, we find from Scripture, whether it's Proverbs 31 or other texts, that uh, God <coughs> wants people to work diligently. In fact, as the Apostle Paul instructs us as Christians, uh, how should we work? What did he say? What did the Apostle Paul have to say about us Christians and our approach to work? As to the book. Okay, okay. We are to work as unto the Lord, as for the Lord, because it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. That's Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. We are to work heartily. As for the Lord. Anybody have any other uh, insights on that? Um, another verse, Ephesians 6, 7. Yes. It says we're to work as for the Lord. Yes. It says with good will. With good will. Okay. Well, what does that mean to you, Hannah? With good will. With good intention. Okay. Toward the one we're working for. Okay. Okay. Good. Anybody else want to comment on that? In both First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, he urges being productive. Yes. So that you're not idle, so you're not a troublemaker. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and we know that famous passage from the Bible. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. <laughs> but we know where that came from. <laughs> we know how that conclusion was drawn. Right. <clears throat> Thank you, Ann. Uh, anybody else? Mm-hmm. The idea of having a good attitude about work, whether you're doing yard work or working as employment, just not seeing it as a burden and a thing you just have to get through, but being positive about the whole concept. Yeah. <laughs> Big mindset change. Yeah. 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 What's funny about that, though, is that work was a curse. To some extent, for man, but it was also the job they were given in the garden. Yeah, and so it's kind of like, yeah, there's a blessing and curse in both. Of it. <laughs> but I mean, we talked about that. We just prayed about that last night again. Of like, you know, thankful God gave me a, a job, and that's why kids could have certain things and things like that. You just see God flowing blessings through that very avenue. I think so. As you work, you, it, 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 is a, it is a fertile uh, opportunity 
to reflect on the blessings God has given us in. Um, he also says in Ephesians 4.28 that we work so that we can share. Yes, yes. So there are, there are, there are many reasons uh, behind our work. It, it is uh, an opportunity to be uh, an example, an influence for good. Uh, it's an opportunity to, to count our blessings. It, is, uh, it was even, uh, I like your comment, it was both a part of, the, in my mind, is part of the utopian situation that Adam and Eve found themselves in. It wasn't that they were just there and taking up space. No, they, they were tending the garden. There was work involved. It later became painful labor uh, and, and uh, under much more hardship. What else? A ready, uh, readiness, uh, uh, Titus 3.1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready for every good work. All right. And Romans 12.11 uh, says not to be slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So both of those yeah. speak, and we see the snapshot of the Proverbs 31. Stuff, yeah, yeah. This industry and this diligence and the constant attention to. Yeah. And the Proverbs 31 picture was not as someone working just so that they could look good in the eyes of others, you know, just to please someone when they're watching, but there was that, uh, you know, trustworthiness involved as well. All right. Well, with that, uh, with that New Testament uh, perspective and focus, um, I, wanna, I want us to shift now and start looking at some of the... the uh, aspects of work that we see in uh, the wisdom literature and specifically mostly Proverbs but uh, we see first of all how diligence will be rewarded and um, Proverbs chapter 22 Okay, if you want to turn there I also have these on the screen but uh, I chose between the New American Standard, the NIV, and the Holman Christian. So I don't know which ones I have up here necessarily. But uh, Proverbs 22 and 29 says, Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Who does this make you think of? If you think of biblical characters. You know, where, do you, where do we see this proverb coming true? Joseph. Joseph Daniel. Daniel. Okay, all right. Someone skilled in their work, and the the the, uh, the conclusion is, if if you're skilled in your work, what's the result? It's going to be acknowledged by the people who count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your work will be valued. It will be sought out uh, after. Uh, Proverbs fourteen and verse four. I really like this text. It's a it's a good thinker. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. Can somebody explain this uh, proverb? What, what's, what's being said? What's being said in this proverb? Work can be messy. <laughs> okay, okay. I think of it like where there are no children, the house is clean. Yeah. Like love comes from the arms of the children. <laughs> so which would you rather have? A clean house 
or much love from the children. That's a joke we have to work of, uh, you know, an empty desk is also an empty mind. Okay. So. Okay. All right. I mean, you like a clean desk, right? And, and it's like, whew. Clearly you don't have enough to do. So. <laughs> if there are no oxen in the, in the stalls, and it's, it looks nice, it smells nice, and there's no cleaning up to do. But what is also true, if there are no oxen in the stalls, yeah, yeah, you're not going to get anything plowed. Uh, you're probably not going to have anything to eat. How do we apply this? How do we apply this to today? We know that the latter part of this picture is better. Uh, can we spend too much time and energy on things that keep us busy but really don't matter much? Um, think about a showplace home or a showplace lawn. Uh, perfectly toned bodies. Spend all of our time there but never have enough time for the things that really matter. Maybe instructing children, showing hospitality, helping others, bringing someone to Christ. I'm, I'm thinking like in the concept of you need to remodel some area of your house or office or whatever and it is an utter disaster while it's happening mm -hmm. nothing is where it's supposed to be but at the end you can see the benefit of it and so but or you could just stay with what it is so that it's all pretty and clean and neat all the time and it's not functional and it's not working the way you need it to yeah I mean, that's kind of a two steps out kind of application mm -hmm. You can even think about a church. Um, if you draw an analogy to a church, you'd like to have a church where there's the absence of... Yeah, Kim McDaniels talks about church work, uh, that it's a messy business <laughs> because you got a lot of people who need to be cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. You'd like to think that there's, there's nobody who... No cranky people... Nobody with a bad background, nobody with any issues, etc. But someone also said one time, no manure, no milk. Okay? And so there's there's lots of probably lots of uh, application to this proverb. That's why I say I think it's it's a good thinker. Um, and then I, I like this Proverbs twenty four twenty seven. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Proverbs 24, 27. Put your outdoor work in order. Get your fields ready. After that, build your house. What is this teaching? Planning. Planning. Priorities. Priorities. You do the necessary work first. Mm -hmm. Build the house anytime. You can build the house anytime. How much pleasure would the nice house be as he starved through the winter? <laughs> yeah, I've said this before, but someone made the statement you can live in a lean to, but you must have food to eat. 
I think it's probably been true uh, of all times, but I think we see it today as well. You see people who want uh, a beautiful home, comfortable lifestyle, sometimes before they have the income to support it. And maybe that's fed by, well, my parents have it, and I had it growing up, then I should have it now as a young person. Which then can often lead to debt and or being a workaholic. Anne, I saw your hand. In literal physical senses, pioneers have always known this. They, and again, out of necessity, so yeah. they might lean, live in a lean to for a couple of seasons mm-hmm. because the priority is to get crops in the ground, yeah. get your animals established, yeah. the food supply going. <coughs> and they could, would, did live through a couple of cold winters in you know very rudimentary living conditions before they would build a house because. Mm-hmm. They weren't idiots, and they didn't want to starve. Yeah. I, mom was. Uh, we were talking about like housework and gardens and stuff, and she made me feel a little better because she said, um, "Spring cleaning came from that was the only time that the women had to really clean their house mm-hmm. because once the garden and the harvest start." That's what you're doing until mm-hmm. next spring, mm-hmm. and you don't have time to be inside cleaning and you know polishing and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, it makes me feel a little better. My best friend in in school growing up, I remember going over and spending that night with him, and they lived in a in a uh, an underground house. We call that a basement. You know, had a big walk out and. Uh, there was plans to build the top part, but uh, n- they didn't have the resources to get that done at the time, so they, they built the bottom part, flat flat roof, you know. And uh, uh, my, my best friend and his two older sisters, and they all slept in one big long room, and the parents another room. And I remember later when they built onto the house and, and built the rest of the house, and and my, my best friend, he, he got the basement, and I would always go over and visit with him, and it's like, wow, this is really nice. But you, can, you kind of see that things in stages. And uh, uh, today, I don't know if that's typically, you know, the thoughts. Like, oh, we'll just, we'll build the whole thing. And uh, like I said, it, it, can, it can lead to, you know, unnecessary debt or other issues. God does not promise us instant success and wealth. And the time for us to reap rewards is after our income is secured by our labors. So then there's this tension, right? <laughs> when is that? And well, I, I could really use it now. But do we learn patience and contentment and uh, to trust in God? Anything else on that? Uh, Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 6. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed, whether one or the other, 
or if both of them will be equally good. So this is one of the texts I asked you to comment on uh, in terms of how does this apply to us today, question four. Um, how does this apply to us today? Karen. I think for someone who works for themselves, this is uh, a big part of, you know, just whatever leads come, you gotta see, because you never know what's gonna pan out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not turning anything away until you know whether it's a good, gonna produce something good or not. Okay, okay, very good. Bob? I say there's a question of balance, which the several other um, questions that you had in yeah. that it takes balance in one's life in a lot of different areas and this is a balance. You don't work all the time, you don't rest all the time. Okay. Okay, I appreciate you bringing that up. And I think in, in all that we talk about in this, you know, uh, there, there needs to be balance. Uh, it's not all just about work, but uh, it may be a balance in your work and then a balance just in, in life in general. Uh, and, and, and that's easier to see, is it not, looking, looking back? Yeah. I mean, to me, it looks a little bit like diversification. I mean, in the morning, <clears throat> I mean, the way I read it, agricultural mindset, mm -hmm. pioneers. In the morning, you go out and you're, you're sowing your seed, you're planting, you're doing all that. Evening time, you're sitting down and you're spinning the wool, you're sowing the clothes, you're doing the, the whatever. Um, you're still you are resting parts of your body mm. that have probably been overworked during the day, but you're still making progress at something, whether it's, uh, like I said, spinning wool or, or what, that type of a yeah. thing, something yeah. that's two different types of effort, two different times of day, doing this, doing that, and not Could necessarily just giving up and watching the crickets jump around. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Craig. Uh, I know that I I let a lot of opportunities go when I first got out of college because in my mind I wanted one very specific type of career and job mm -hmm. and didn't give enough mind to other potentially good opportunities. Okay. And so just I, I read this as you know sow where you think it will succeed and then sow other places too. Yeah. Because you you never know. So don't don't be so single-minded. All right. Lose out on good. All right. Very good. Uh, think of Paul. Paul, his first and primary uh, focus was what? Preach Christ and Him crucified. That's right. Preach Christ and Him crucified. And yet, we also know he was a tent maker. And if he wasn't supported in his preaching of the gospel... He knew he needed something to do to, to survive. Uh, could you not also expand this to how you uh, would approach investing some money? Do you put all of your eggs in the one basket or do you diversify? I mean, this is, this is truly the picture of the Proverbs 31 uh, description that we, that we spent time on Wednesday night. And your, your talk made me think too, you know, when, when do you make hay? Well, what's this? When the sun shines, you know, you don't do that at night. So, yeah, you do things when you can. It's kind of like a, a continual pursuit of productivity. Uh -huh. 
happiness all the time. Yeah. You know, instead of like, well, so I'm going to be productive these few hours, and then I'm not going to be productive these few hours. And I think that speaks against that. Yeah. So to seek opportunity to be productive in all things. So the, the, the servant who produced the, the extra talents, surely, was constantly yes. had that on mind. Yes. Um, that also just, I think, reinforces how uh, working diligently is not just about working hard, but it's working with wisdom. And it's trying to see the, the whole landscape uh, of opportunity. I mean, I'm doing something. I've done, I've done work for the last 20 years that has nothing to do with what I you know, went to school for. And never would have dreamed I would be doing what I'm doing now. Uh, but, oppor- like you say, opportunities came up. I was like, well, why not? And one thing led to, the nu- to another. And honestly, I found something that I enjoyed. Something I was reasonably good at. And, uh, and it has been, it's been a blessing. So, Okay, the uh, second... The second uh, proverb I asked you then, or the, the, the other text, Proverbs 27, verses 23 through 27. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears, and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and to nourish your female servants. I don't think any of us make our livelihood from farming today, okay, in this room. Uh, And so my question then is, how does this apply to us today? And maybe... It's a little bit of a repeat or an enhancement of what we've already discussed, but let's let's flesh that out. So you've got someone here who has um, who has animals, and uh, there's going to be a time for uh, making hay, and a time then when all, that's been all gathered in. But the admonition is to know the condition of your flocks. And why? Why is it important to pay attention to the condition of your flocks? These riches don't last forever. Um, um, yeah, so know, you, knowing what you knowing like knowing financially what you have and how things if you're thinking like 401ks and investments, how they're performing and not just going, oh, they'll just do their thing and not necessarily and knowing where it's all going and what's happening will give you a better idea of what you need to do. Do you need to go take care of that bullying goat and, you know, put him underneath a bridge or something with a troll? I I don't know. Um, Or do you need to just keep doing what you're doing? Okay. okay. I mean, I've got a pretty high-paying job, but I know at any moment that may not 
pan out. Okay. Things change on a dime. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw that over the past two years. Oh, yeah. And, like, it was things we were always wanting to be doing. We just got into a lot sooner um, with the things we're trying to do at home just because all that can dry up in an instant. Your grocery shelves will be closed and all that money that you made didn't. You can't eat that. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Bob? Having grown up on a farm. Okay. Uh, I can tell you that you, you don't look at your animals and say, well, these animals are healthy. I think I'll go on vacation for a month. Uh-huh. Uh, it takes constant monitoring <laughs> of them. You know, if they stand around in a nasty barn, they're going to get hoof rot. Uh-huh. If your fields are not plowed at the time the way we did it, uh, the weeds are going to come up and then it's going to be too late. But it, it was dealing with a lot of the little things that were preventive that kept the big problems from cropping up. Okay, okay, good. I remember talking to a lady in high school that was in a nursing home, uh-huh. and she remembers the Great Depression uh-huh. and how difficult that was. And she goes, you know, like it wasn't really that hard for us because, like, we lived on farms and, like, we always had food. She said she felt so bad for all those people who lived in cities that didn't have any other garden. They came out and stole your farm goods. My grandpa's uh-huh. yeah, they People who lived through that, you know, you know, and they're they're older, much older people. If there if if there are that many still around, uh, they live differently, typically, right? They approach life differently, typically. It speaks to towards the. It's kind of like the oxen, you know. It's speaking, saying mm-hmm. the same thing. It's like the va- the value uh, of of these things that are not. Uh, I had it in my mind, now I've lost it. The innate value of things that are troublesome. Yeah, yeah. And, um, occupy much of our time and effort. But it, you know, if you jump from uh, <coughs> 24, for riches do not endure. You know, uh-huh. that that's the teetering point in those in those verses. Uh, versus, you will have plenty. Yeah. You know. So the simple, it's a simple teaching and, and given, given to us in a way that we certainly understand uh, from agriculture and, and animal husbandry and, and all that that uh, the Bible speaks to us about even though we're not involved. It, it's pretty clear to us. Yeah. I think there's a, a contrast here between fleeting wealth and in this picture nature's ever renewing provision um, and Yes. That we have, even if it's just, you know, maintaining your furnace, maintaining your car, not obsessing over those things, yeah, yeah. but being careful with those are all blessings and not just taking them for granted and letting them, you know, fall apart. Then you've wasted that money yeah. instead of taking good care of it, things, you know, your property, your physical things, shows an appreciation for those blessings and trying to, um, you know, stretch that dollar uh-huh. as far as you can yeah. instead of just getting stuff and, and not taking care of it and letting it fall apart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the person who buys a car, takes care of it, pays it off, drives it now for an extra 5, 10, 15 years, and they're getting much more utility then out of that. This brought to mind 
again the idea of stewardship from a different perspective if you've got my, my grandparents had a dairy farm and they never went anywhere yeah yeah finally one time they went to Hawaii so it was like two three weeks they drove to California picked up people so they were gone for quite a while and it occurs to me now that they needed to make sure that my uncle um, was willing and able <laughs> to take care of everything so having that person who could be a good steward of those things just that thought just sort of popped into my mind yeah. if you've got yeah. this if you've got stuff whatever the stuff is and you need to entrust it to someone it's the importance of that finding the right steward so that you can you know take a minute and do something different or diversify or yep. have a vacation to yeah. Hawaii and <laughs> bring back your granddaughter a beautiful little orange shirt <laughs> it, 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 we would all agree that we put our trust in God in all things and while we do that we should also uh, think about plan for and take action regarding our financial concerns we've talked about budgeting uh, that we've made reference to you know well what's going to happen when I'm older how, how am I going to be provided for uh, how do I invest? Uh, do I buy insurance? How much insurance do I buy? What kind of insurance do I buy? I mean, if you're not careful, you can become what they call what? Insurance poor. And uh, I mean, everybody wants to sell you insurance. So you can't you can't buy anything at Lowe's, but what they want you to buy a little insurance policy on it, you know. And before you know it, you know, spent as much money on insurance as you have on uh, living. All right, I like this text. Uh, it's good to uh, consider. Uh, let's talk about being lazy and how laziness is foolish. And uh, this proverb, chapter 6, dealing with the ant, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Before you know it, you've fallen into uh, really hard times because of being lazy. Not like the ant who who works uh, for the future without someone being there having to uh, drive them on. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 4. The lazy one does not plow after the autumn, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. And then Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 18. Through laziness the rafters sag. Because of idle hands, the house leaks. So just ask, is, is your life characterized by laziness, by frivolity? What will you earn for yourself and your family, if that's true? If you're a lazy person, what will you earn for yourself and your family? A legacy of poverty and financial difficulties. So let's contrast uh, diligence with laziness. Proverbs 
chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Uh, Proverbs 21, verses 25 and 26. A slacker's craving will kill him because his hands refuse to work. He is filled with craving all day long, but the righteous give and don't hold back. And then Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 13. Do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Stay awake and you will have food to spare. So if you look at these, what what is the lazy person's biggest problem? What's the lazy person's biggest problem? Excessive sleep is one. Well, I think (laughs) we have to connect the, the sleep thing here. Yeah. And be on guard against that. That's from somebody who loves to take yeah, naps. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Motivation, maybe. Okay, okay. And and I think they are motivated, uh, Joy. <laughs> For who? Themselves. Themselves, yeah. I, my answer to that question is I think selfishness is their biggest problem. Uh, because because what we know what we note there is that the righteous do what? They give. And that point was made earlier. Uh, the, the righteous aren't just thinking about that. They don't just work just so they can have. They, they work so they can share. It really is kind of a living for the moment. Okay. You know, sleep always sounds good. Yeah. And, but it doesn't provide. Yeah. 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 And there's your balance thing too, right? Yeah. Karen. I think along with that, like comfort. You know that's a selfish thing sometimes. If we absolutely are diligent mm-hmm. in comfort, um, you know whatever is comfortable, that's the choice that the lazy person. Would yes, make. yes, yes. All right. Uh, next, want to look at diligence uh, contrasted with worthless pursuits, and I got uh, two texts here to look at in Proverbs. Proverbs twelve and verse eleven. The one who works his land will have plenty of food, but whoever chases fantasies lacks sense. And I'll throw this other one up here, Proverbs 28 and verse 19. One who works his land will have plenty of food, but one who follows empty pursuits will have plenty of poverty. God expects us to pursue honest work, not vain, empty pursuits. How do you apply that today? Where do we where do we what are some of the what are some of the empty pursuits out there for us today? Andrew. The lottery and, okay. and uh, pyramid schemes. Oh yes. Okay. So we got the lottery, we've got pyramid schemes. What else? Yeah, worthless pursuits. Okay. And sometimes things like sports or hobbies or whatever. I mean, there's 
there's a balance. It's a matter of enjoyment, and you get to enjoy stuff. But if that's what the only thing that you're really pursuing, that's a you need to kind of check <coughs> your hobbies and and other activities. Yeah. How about that super high high paying investment that you can make? Where's where's that? <laughs> I'll send you well, a link later on your phone. Bit, Bitcoin, right? Wasn't wasn't it Bitcoin? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I know some people have made a lot of money off. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of people didn't. Uh, some things we looked at, probably not not something I would want to be investing in. Like something gets into not not shady business, not like illegal stuff. Yeah. But like, I don't know if I want to be betting against regular people. Yeah. Um, yeah, living in a house or something like that. You know, uh -huh. just like there's some stuff we were looking at, and like, oh, it's got high return. Well, probably for a good reason. Like uh -huh. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah, I'd like to hear people's comments yeah. on where do we draw the line of where hobbies become worthless? Um, because to an extent, they can not bring us any profit, yeah. but. Yeah. Um, but some people may get to the point where they say it may be sinful uh -huh. uh, to even have hobbies, and if it's not if it's not worthwhile, if it's not, um, and then that brings us to the other extreme that we that is on the worksheet of becoming a workaholic uh -huh. because work will get you something if you yeah. if you're diligent yeah. enough. Yeah. When I think about any recreational stuff, yeah. um, I think what is the purpose of this activity. If the purpose of resting or enjoying a hobby or watching sports or participating in sports is rejuvenation so that it's rejuvenating my body and my spirit so that I can get back fully charged uh -huh. into serving, okay. then that's when it's a good thing. And, you know, everybody has to decide for themselves when where that line is yeah. that it's you know now it's just selfish yeah I mean isn't it a time management thing though too honestly um, because if you're going to spend all your day in hobbies that's probably not a good pursuit uh, well it depends on what it is I guess uh, you know if your hobby it actually makes you a lot of money I don't know but uh, you know it's just the same as being a workaholic you know it's just a balance of all those things and, and like another thing to think of is what does it take you away from okay if yeah I mean uh, if, what are you if, not doing yeah if, if yeah. go if the only time that you can participate in hobby X is Sunday mornings from 8 to you know 4 p.m. maybe this is not a hobby that you uh -huh. need to engage in yeah, yeah. It, you, because there are other things that you need to be doing and that the same though with like the workaholic type stuff though mm -hmm. too of what is that taking you away from right and if it's two nights a week, three nights a week, four nights a week, you're still working your job. So what is this hobby? What is the purpose, as Ann point, what is the purpose of that recreation? And what is it allowing me then to do? Or is it not allowing me to do things that maybe aren't necessarily a, so much a direct responsibility, but Am I available to help others? Am I available to serve others? Am I spending as much time on my hobby and recreation 
how does that compare with the time I spend trying to convince people that uh, they should be following Jesus? I saw a hand. Yes. Uh, well, the verse that we were looking at, you know, about the, the goats and the yeah. farming, um, you know, if, if you want to make it modern, it basically says, make sure you know what is um, what is there for your family and those that you're responsible for. Yeah. So the same thing with this. Like, are you taking time to spend with your children so that they can have things that they need, but you're taking that away from something that might make you money? Yeah. Well, then that's not an empty pursuit. Yeah. But it, it really is all about that balance. Yeah. Yeah. If the goals are empty at the start, the final outcome will be also. What what are what 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 am I what am I after? What am I pursuing? And too often it's it's easy to get caught up in the here and now, in the physical, and as we saw with the the rope illustration, we lose perspective of what is eternal. What what will matter eternally? What will matter when you're, you know, 70, 80 plus years old and you're looking back on life and saying, wow, I'm glad I spent my time focused here. Or I wish, I wish I had spent more time doing this. And again, there is balance. So, how would you describe the difference between working diligently and being a workaholic? I think of diligently as effectively. Okay. So that time management idea of just making sure you're getting things done in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. And a workaholic is just someone that may not may have time management, but is just never away from it. Okay. Okay. I think of working diligently towards a goal and for a purpose, but with workaholism, working just is the purpose. Uh huh. Uh huh. Did you have your hand? Oh, I did. Oh, I'm I sorry. The similar thing, just yeah. the purpose. Yeah. You know, are you working to feed your family? Or uh-huh. Are you working to get be away from your family? Yeah. Like, it's a big difference. <laughs> and and if if you have a job that doesn't pay, maybe as much as you would like, you may have to work a little bit more to provide for your family. Is that being a workaholic? No, I got to do what I got to do. I may take a second job to to provide for my family. Uh, that's being responsible. Uh, will it last that way forever? Maybe not. Could, but in the end, you're you know you're providing for your family. The diligence has a has a uh, a connotation of sacrifice in that. Uh. Uh, workaholism has a uh, a connotation of selfish ambition. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's I think the stark difference there. You know, okay. Even when we talk, oh, he's so diligent about. Uh, building his model airplanes and flying. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, we never use that. So he's really hung up on that. Uh-huh. Right, <laughs> right. Whatever the case may be. Right. That's good. That's good. Let me ask this last question. What are some practical ways 
that we can teach our children the importance of working diligently. Give me one. What are some practical ways to teach our children about the importance of working diligently? What do we do? Explain the reason why. Okay. Tell them tell them why. And I mean doing it with them. Do it with them. Okay. Okay. So you be you be the diligent worker and show them, explain the purpose, and make them part of the project. They're a contributor to the family. Everybody has their own job. We work together, and that's what makes our family. Do you have to pay them for everything you do? No. 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 So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and point, point that out to them. Give them responsibility. Uh, make them pay for things they want. Teach them how to do a job well and then hold them to it. Um, help them find a job and then use their money wisely. Uh, read them Bible passages on this subject. Make sure they know what God says. This is an idea that came into my head when I was thinking about this. Making, making the child finish the whole job before they get the reward. Yeah. I mean, you get 80% of the garden... Uh, Hoed, okay. I'm sorry, you don't you don't get the ten dollars. I mean, that's in one sense that's mean. Um, if a storm came in and there's reason, but you know, if it's like I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not done. You know, I, and maybe that's not going to be the right answer. But well, I think it's it's doing a task, doing it well, being responsible, being accountable. Those are all good things about learning how to work diligently. Thank you all. We will next class we will study about some blessings that are more important than wealth.